0: Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for being our Father. Thank you, Lord God, that you're the God that sees us and that we see you, Lord. Lord, we seek you with all our heart and mind and soul, Lord. Bring us, Lord God, up to date in what you have for us, Lord. Amen. Cause your wisdom and your love and your power to be evident in our lives, Lord. Give us success, as the scripture says, Lord. Bless the work of our hands, Lord God. Establish your purpose in our lives, Lord. Thy will be done, Lord. Thank you for giving us our daily bread, our daily Jesus Christ, to do the work that you call us to do, Lord. We're in, Lord. We're in it, we, and we love it. In mm-hmm. the name of Jesus. We thank you for today's reading. Today, July the 2nd.
1: Amen. Anna? Thank you, Lord. Okay, this is exciting. 2 Kings 20, verse 1 to 22, verse 2. It says, About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah son of Amos went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Wow. Wow. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you, and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Make an ointment from figs." So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, This is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward ten steps or backward ten steps? Mm -hmm. The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied, so that would be easy. Make it go ten steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received the Babylonian em- envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, and the spices, and the ar- aromatic oils. He also took them to see his army armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where where were they from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. <laughs> For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. The rest of the events in Hezekiah's reign, including the extent of his power and how he built a pool and dug a tunnel to bring water into the city, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. Hezekiah died and his son, Manesh became the next king. Manesh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother was Hepzibah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole just as the king of Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the powers of heaven and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manesh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manesh even made a carved image of Asherah and set it up in the temple, the very place where the Lord had told David and his son, Solomon, My name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem. The city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel, if the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws my servant Moses gave them, I will not send them into exile from this land that I gave their ancestors. But the people refused to listen, and Manasseh led them to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed. When the people of Israel entered the land, Then the Lord said through his servants, the prophets, King Manesh of Judah has done many distestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. He has caused the people of Judah to sin with his idols. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for Samaria and the same measure I used for the family of Ahab. I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish and turns it upside down. Then I will reject even the remnant of my own people who are left, and I will hand them over as plunder for their enemies, for they have done great evil in my sight and have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. Manesh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. The rest of the events in Manesh's reign and everything he did, including the sins he committed, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Manesh died, he was buried in the palace garden, the garden of Uzzah. Then his son, Amon, became the next king. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. His mother was Meshulameth, the daughter of Haruz from Jotbah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father, Manesh, had done. He followed the example of his father worshiping the same idols his father had worshiped. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors. He refused to follow the Lord's ways. Then Ammon's own official conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. But the people of the land killed all those who had conspired against King Ammon, and they made his son Josiah the next king. The rest of the events in Ammon's reign and what he did are recorded in the book of history of the kings of Judah. He was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Josiah became the next king. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jadah, the daughter of Adaiah from Bozkoth. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Amen. It
0: was so, interesting how uh, the young man at 8 years old and yeah. priests were able to get him before he became corrupt. Yeah. With pride and uh, competition mm-hmm. and whatever things of power, right? But you know, so many people. The guy Hezekiah, when he says this prophecy is a good prophecy because it will not happen in my time. Oh, okay. You know, uh, you you will see peace. Well, maybe he was thinking about the his fam- present family or something. But uh-huh. you know, it seemed like a little selfish thing instead of uh, his heart. You know, he got healed for 15 years, right? That's the guy that was gonna die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he says. Because
1: uh, I didn't recall it saying about peace and security. It said that all the stuff out with from the temple was not was gonna be taken out of there.
0: But yeah, there's another point. I already thought all this stuff was taken from the temple, and then again, they're gonna he prophesied, but. I think every year...
1: And even his son, your own sons will be taken away into uh, exile.
0: Surrounding nations will bring uh, resources, you know, new gold, uh-huh. new silver to the Lord's temple. And all the other nations knew that. Uh-huh. They knew that that the, the people brought their own people would take things to Jerusalem. So they say, man, Jerusalem is a Fort Knox that we can knock over. You know, that's why they would, so many people would come to take the money from.
1: Yeah, I don't understand where he... Why he thought the prophecy was good that his sons would become eunuchs.
0: Well, he said it, it says because you know in his heart he said it's not going to happen in my time. Mm. It's like us, we know we're saved, and then we hear these terrible things, and we say, well, thank God it's not happening here. You know, we we say you know we're saved, we're going to heaven, and so forth. You know, mm. we in ourselves are also. Um,
1: you know, um, at the very beginning as the story opened up and he got a word from Isaiah saying that he better get his act together, his house in order because he was going to die. He would, it says here, you will not recover, you will not recover from this illness. And he said his prayer, he reminded the Lord of how he was always a faithful servant and trying to do what he pleased the Lord. And he, he he was humbled, he broke down, he was crying And, you know, at that moment, not even, it's because it says here before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, the message from the Lord saying, go back, tell him I'm going to add more life to him for 15 years. And he he heard his prayer. So, you know, the Lord, the Lord honors our prayers that are, you know, your sincere and he rescues you, even though he had spoken the opposite. So, you know, and that just goes to show you that you always humble yourself and and get on your knees and and ask the Lord to rescue you because He will. Okay.
0: okay he changes re- His mind. Let's go ahead and read the rest. I oh, don't know where that music. All oh, that music is coming from. Uh
1: Okay, so do you want me to read the study or are we pretty good? Yeah, I read the study. Go but... ahead. Okay. Um, Israel and Judah had two types of kings, the completely wicked and the sometimes godly. Interesting, sometimes godly. Hezekiah had been a good and faithful king in 100 years of Judah's history, 732 to 640 BC. Hezekiah was the only faithful king, but Hezekiah wasn't perfect.
0: Keep going. Okay.
1: Um, Hezekiah showed great faith in God by praying for healing after God healed him the ba- Oh, that feels good. Uh, after God healed him, the Babylonian
0: <clears throat> <laughs> ambassador. He recorded, babe.
1: Okay, well, my knee feels good on me. Because um, Hezekiah showed great faith in God by praying for healing after God healed him the Babylonian ambassadors came and God withdrew from the Hezekiah in order to test him and see what was really in his heart. 2 okay. Chronicles 32:31 afterwards when Hezekiah warned Hezekiah when Isaiah warned Hezekiah of the coming exile Hezekiah showed little concern. He thought at least there would be peace and security during my lifetime. Hezekiah only worried about his own well-being. You are right. Was thinking. Like Hezekiah, we have the moments of great faith. We also do things that expose our self-centeredness for Hezekiah. Okay, expose our self-centeredness for Hezekiah. The opportunity for faith was obvious, but God pressed deeper looking for humility and empathy. And blindsided Hezekiah in the same way. God tests our lives in obvious ways, yes, but Also more deeply, David's prayer should be ours. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that that offends you. Psalm 139, 23, 24.
0: Amen. Beautiful study.
1: Let -hmm. me go ahead and
0: read um, Acts 21, 18-36. The next day Paul... Well, look, there's uh, excuse me. There's accounts of God's sovereign power permeate the book of Kings. This is the most asked question. The question is, what is God's sovereignty like? It says right here, the accounts of God's sovereignty, sovereign power permeate the book of Kings. He directs past the paths of kings and nations, and he brought his power to bear in the life of the unnamed widow. He installed and deposited the kings of Israel and Judah according to His purpose and according to the degree of their obedience. The Book of Kings shows God's sovereign control over nations and His personal concern for individuals. God displayed His sovereignty over the affairs of nations. He permitted successful attacks against His people as punishment for their sins. God was in control when the Assyrians attacked Samaria and brought down the northern kingdom. Hezekiah's success in Judah were due to the Lord's blessings. God's sovereign hand can be seen in all of the complex international events that happened during the reign of the final kings of Judah, just as the Lord had promised. But also, God also demonstrated his power and his answers, and to the prayers and petitions of his people. When Elijah prayed, God responded to his request. Through Elijah, he allowed the women from Shunem to have a son, and later he brought the same son back to life. The Lord graciously answered the prayers of Jehoahaz and provided a deliverer for Belagure, Israel. He honored Hezekiah's prayer for Jerusalem and for his own life. God's sovereignty is completely is complete and compassionate, extending over the most powerful nations and reach it to the weakest will. Amen. Beautiful, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, Acts chapter twenty-one, verses eighteen to thirty-six. Are you with me, Pee Wee? Yeah. The next day Paul went with with us, Luke and Paul's other companions, to meet with James and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing these this they praised God and they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously, but the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who are live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children, to allow other children other Jewish or follow other Jewish customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have come have complete lead at their vow, go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads richly shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentiles believers, they should do what is already told them in the letter. They should abstain from eating foods offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other man. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifice would be offered to, for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grab him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us. This is a man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophihimus, a Gentile from Ephesus. And they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called all his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commanders arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who was he was, and what had he done? Some shouted one thing and some another. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind him, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! Amen. Okay, uh, today's study, Acts 21. 21. The Jerusalem Council had previously previously agreed that Gentile believers did not need to obey the Jewish law, Acts 15. They only needed to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, meat of strangled animals, and sexual immorality. That way the restrictions in the Jewish law would not prevent Gentiles from accepting the good news. Evidently a rumor had started that Paul had taken this freedom much further, applying it to Jewish believers as well. People were saying that Paul had discarded the Jewish law completely Instead, said Paul readily agreed to the Jewish customs to prove the rumor was false. Paul told the Corinthians, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 1 Corinthians 9.22 By following the Jewish customs, Paul showed his principle in action. Paul was a man of strong conviction, but he was not inflexible. He understood both perspectives. Like Paul, we should be sensitive to the convictions of the people around us. Does the good news require that we upend their convictions, or will it fit alongside them? Are we imposing beliefs based on our own upbringing that really have little to do with God's mission to save people? How did Paul handle it? As for instance for us, dealing with Catholics you know, that's where we came from and that's what we have to believe. So we have to be compassionate and not put their things down. That's what their belief is at. That's what it's saying, you know. Why try to crush their belief? It only entices anger. And many people, you know, they shy away from the Christian message because we done that, know. And, we you know, we get them an AA, you know. It's just the, the, the serving of the plate, the demonstration of how we serve God to them. They like it. Praying the Psalms, reflect on the reasons you have for praising God. Reflect on the reasons. Praise the Lord, Psalms 150, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise Him His unequal greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre in the heart. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings with strings and flutes. Praise Him with clash of cymbals. Praise Him with cloud-clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalms 18, 9-10 A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Verse 10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower, fortress, the godly run to Him and are safe. The name of the Lord is The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to it and are saved. Amen and amen.